The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. So the sermon's mostly about this guy named Joseph, but wow, this is an amazing backdrop and anticipation of all of that stuff. Jesus said, But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that, is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. That is the gospel of the Lord. May be seated. I never forgave them. You realize that, right? I mean, you can read the last six chapters of the book of Genesis, and I never forgive them. I suppose you perhaps were expecting me to be wearing fine Egyptian royal robes as I wore in the latter part of my career. I decided I didn't want to wear that today. I also could have showed up in kind of Bedouin shepherd clothing. That's what I wore early in my life. Decided not to wear that either. Actually, I decided to go with the kind of aging Jerry Garcia tie and the Banana Republic pants. When you think about it, it's kind of a generational conflict, but it's what I wanted to wear today, and I'm Joseph, and I do what I want to do. See, that allows you to understand almost everything about my life. I do what I want to do. But you'll understand a little bit more about how I got to that point in my life if you, if you know my family. This gets us to the test. Name all of my brothers right now. Start with Reuben. Okay, we won't go there. But never forget Gad, because I love Gad. I love that name. Stick with Gad all the way. Anyhow, so you all know that I had these 11 brothers. I also had a lot of sisters, sadly. Their names are actually there, but we tend to forget about them. That's a mistake. We're still going to stick with the brothers, though, today. Um, what people often fail to recognize is that of those 11 brothers, 10 were half-brothers of mine. One of the little problems in my world, it's a good thing it's not a part of at least this part of the world, is that my dad, Jacob, who also did what he wanted to do. He had two wives, Rachel and Leah, and he also had children with two of their servants, Billa and Zilpha. Uh, that's not a good thing, but it's, it's what it was. And so 10 of my brothers are these half-brothers. The only one who was also born of my mother, Rachel, is Benjamin. But see now, here's, here's where I come in, and that uh, Rachel couldn't have children for years and years, and when she finally had me, the firstborn son to the favorite wife, what did that make me? That made me, of course, 
the favorite son, right? And that meant from the day I was born, I was taught, you can do what you want to do, Joseph. And I was amazing. I truly was. I mean, hey, I'm smart, and I am resourceful, and if anything, I'm resilient. And of course, think about the words I just chose. Those are all words that we want our children to be, right? Right? I'm Joseph. I'm just amazing. So now you know a little bit about my family. Uh, what else should you know about me? Oh, yeah, that we're not very different. You might say, well, you're a biblical character. You're either awesome or you're terrible, but we're somewhere in between. No, 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 no. We're, we're a lot alike. I mean, think about it. I do what I want to do in these stories. Um, let's check this out. When, when we're young and filled with hormones, we just do what we want to do, right? I mean, that's true. And then we grow a little older, and now career or reputation or, or possessions or a lot of other things become really high on our radars, and we do what we want to do to achieve those things. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. Then we get a little older still. Maybe we have kids. Then we have this tendency to want them to do what we want them to do. Ooh, wait, that creates some problems, doesn't it? And then finally, we get a little older still, and, and in the last stages of our lives, we just want to be free and have no responsibilities so we can what? You should know the refrain now. Do what we want to do. We're totally alike. We're on the same page. If you didn't think so, you perhaps weren't being totally honest. <sighs> think about this a little bit. Dreams. I get associated a little bit with dreams. If your dreams come true, a lot of times they're dreams about you doing what you want to do. I would suggest that when dreams like that come true, it's actually a nightmare. And you should actually pray to have some nightmares. Because nightmares are either your conscience pricking at you or something within you, maybe God, telling you that you are out of balance. Nightmares aren't the worst thing to have. But... When you think of Joseph, as amazing as I am, you think of dreams. Ooh. Now, here's another thing. Dreams are my gift, right? How many of you either have met a person with a great gift, or maybe you are a person with a great gift? The thing about great gifts is they are so striking, right? From an early age, use whatever word you want. Somebody's a prodigy. Uh, somebody's a savant. But... Um, they can play a piano like nobody else can. They can shoot a jump shot like nobody else can. They can figure out algorithms like nobody else can. And, and the thing about people who have a gift like that is that everybody looks at it and they see the gift and it's amazing. And everybody is so consumed with the gift that it allows the person to do what? What they want to do. And they may have an awesome gift of intelligence or physical capability, but as a result, so often, do they have anything in their emotional quotient area other than single digits? <laughs> That's me, by the way. So I have this amazing gift. I'm awesome at dreams. And how did I use that gift early on in my life? I have this dream about how the sun and the moon and 11 stars all bow down to me. Symbolism shouldn't be hard for you to figure out. It's a valid dream. The interpretation was my whole family would bow down to me someday, and did that come true? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And should I have told my brothers and my mother and father about this amazing dream? 
What do you think? No! Of course I shouldn't. What a stupid thing for me to do. But I had a gift. And I was going to make sure everybody in the world knew I had a gift. And so I told them, you're all bowing down to me. Because I'm Joseph, and I'm amazing, and I do what I want to do. First day of my life that I didn't get to do what I wanted to do was that day where I had to dig the hole into which they threw me, whereupon I got to watch them throw blood over my coat of many colors and then get sold into slavery in Egypt. I didn't want to do any of that. I just, in that moment, wanted to be back with my dad, Jacob, who also, for the most part, did what he wanted to do in life, which means he understood me pretty well. And if I could have been back with him, of course I would have been. But I couldn't. Now, the Ishmaelites, the ones to whom I was sold, they did an interesting thing. They invested in me. Uh, they invested in me because they bought me. But, but think about it. The other thing they would have done is, is they knew they would get a better price for me only if they taught me how to speak the language of the Egyptians. And so from the day they bought me, they invested in me so that I could speak like an Egyptian. And I hated every minute of that. I didn't want to do that. But it was also the first time in my life where it began to occur me, to me that sometimes when you do something you don't want to do, it might actually lead to a good. It paid off for the Ishmaelites. They got a great price. It paid off for me. So they sold me to Potiphar. That went pretty well. Oops, there was his wife who fell in love with me, wants to sleep with me. I say no. Seemed like a good decision at the time until she accused me of rape. Then I get thrown into jail. This is not going very well. Now, the next part of the story is the first part where, where I start maybe becoming a human being. <laughs> because there are dreams again, right, by a baker and a butler. How's this going to turn out for these guys? See, that's the problem. I know how it's going to turn out for these guys. Who's going to lose his head? you got a 50-50 chance. It's the baker. He's going to lose his head. Actually, they're both going to lose their head in a way. So I, I know this is coming for them. I don't want to share it with them. Oops, but I'm Joseph, right? And I do what I want to do. And so I decide I'm going to tell them what the dreams mean in hopes that when the butler gets out, he will remember me and I will get out of this hellhole prison that I am in. And it didn't work. The baker did lose his head, and so did the butler in the sense that once he got out of prison, he wanted nothing to do with any of the memories associated with that. And as a result, he forgot all about me, and there I sat, continuing to rot in jail. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Thank goodness that Pharaoh had a nightmare. Remember I said those aren't the worst things? The Bible calls it a dream, but it was a nightmare. That's... That's how you kind of feel when you have these visions of lean cows and fat cows. What the heck does that all mean? And now finally the butler has something where he does it because he wants to do it because it will make him look good. He remembers me. I come out. I interpret the dreams. Next thing I know, I'm like CEO of Egypt Incorporated. It is awesome. I'm awesome. Remember, I'm awesome. In case you forgot, I'm just reminding you. And it all works. Like we save up food for seven years, just like the dream said, and we get two years into the famine and we're feeding everybody. At which point, who shows up at my door? All those brothers 
of mine come down to Egypt and search for the food that they think is there. And now this is the important part of the story. They don't recognize me. Not because of the clothes, not because I grew a beard, not because I was older. You know why they don't recognize me, right? I mean, because I've changed. I'm now a different person. I no longer do what I want to do, only for me. It has occurred to me, and it has been forced upon me, to recognize that perhaps it is better sometimes to do for others rather than for yourself. One and a half millennia after me, this traveling itinerant preacher by the name of Jesus of Nazareth comes along. He's awesome. We do have something in common, by the way. It's called Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Does musicals after both of us. I'm awesome, by the way. And Jesus Christ is a superstar because he can do everything that he talks about. He actually can turn the other cheek. He can love enemy. He can return good in the face of evil. He's a superstar. Who of us can live up to that? Remember the first words I said. I never forgave him. I mean, isn't forgiveness the essence of following Jesus? To forgive is to let go of the stuff that people has poured into our life. And I couldn't do it. So that Jesus says something that none of us should forget to observe. In the midst of all of that stuff, he says, what credit is it to you if you love those who love you? Like if you love your family and love your friends. I mean, you should do that, and it's expected of us to do it, but it's to no credit in the life of faith, precisely for that reason. You and I should do those things. We only get, in a sense, credit for it when we love the people who are distant or different or an actual enemy from ourselves. See, that's that's hard, seemingly impossible. But Jesus says it, and maybe as a result it is eminently possible for anyone who trusts it to be so. What credit to us is if we just love the people who are around us. I never forgave them. If you read the story closely, once they appear before me, I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally cruel to my brothers. Uh, the first time I send them back to Egypt with lots of food, but I make sure that one of my chalices is buried in their cups so that the TSA of the time would catch them at the border and send them back. And then when they come back to me, now I hold on to Benjamin, who is my only full brother born to Rachel, who dies giving birth to him. And this is how much he would have meant to my father Jacob. And so I send them back without this Benjamin Because I want to torture them. I want them to have to say to their father, we couldn't bring him back, your most loved son. And see, that's the last time in the story I'm like a total idiot. What? I mean, what was I thinking? Because by doing that, I caused him a hundred times the pain I ever would have caused them. And so eventually they do come back to reclaim Benjamin, and see now, that's the point in the story where I know they've changed, 
Because now the brothers who would have sold me into slavery, they come back and they actually offer their lives in exchange for Benjamin. The brothers who would have killed a brother now are willing to die for a brother. So I have everybody leave the room except my brothers, and then I reveal myself to them. And I'm just crying like a baby, at which point they say what? Nothing! They didn't say anything. They were stone-cold silence because they all thought I was going to kill them. You know what? I never thought of killing them, not once. I thought of getting even with them a million times. But I never thought of killing them. And by the time you get to chapter 50, they beg me to forgive them. But I never do. I can't ever let it go. So don't idealize me. I'm Joseph. I'm a little bit amazing. But what I'd hope for you is is a couple of things. I'd hope that you, you pay more attention to nightmares than to dreams. I'd hope that you'd You'd realize that if you ever end up in a foreign, strange land, emotionally, physically, that you will not assume you will be alone there. If you can listen, if you can treat a neighbor as yourself, you'll never be alone. Mostly, though, I want you to live your life so that when you're, when you're at the end of the life, whether you have possessions or not will not matter because those you can't hold on to. But to have loved and to have loved often and well and selflessly and sacrificially, you will be surrounded, surrounded by love yourself. And, and that sort of thing walks into eternity perfectly. The easiest transition there is. I'm Joseph. That's all you need to know about me. Oh, and one last little thing. I did no harm, ultimately, to my brothers. I did a lot of good to them and to others. I could never forgive it. Not perfect. You're just like me. Do no harm this week. Do some good this week. And for all the ways in which you may fail this week, then to that we ascribe the grace of God. And when you think about it, that word grace, that's the only word in this whole story for which the worthy prelude is amazing.